When it comes to giving to God, do you do it cheerfully or grudgingly? Let's thoughtfully consider that today on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. When it comes to giving, many pastors won't touch the subject with a 10-foot pole. That's because many people get agitated or bothered when money is mentioned in the church or due to negative experiences in the past. But Jesus had no problem talking about it. In fact, he addressed money and stewardship in 16 of his parables. Today on Abounding Grace, we're certainly not going to shy away from it as we go verse by verse through 2 Corinthians. Chapter 9 offers great principles for giving like how we should give and how much. Let's join Pastor Ed Taylor and get started. The topic of giving, the topic of giving for the church in Corinth and from the lessons that Paul is sharing with the Corinthians, we're going to take from that some applications for our own giving and the heart of giving. And chapter 8 and chapter 9 go together. So pick up with me in verse 1, chapter 9. Now concerning the ministering, and I love that, Giving is referred to as a ministry. It's referred to as a service. Remember, that's what the word ministry means. It means service. Concerning the ministering to the saints, it's superfluous for me to write to you. For I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal was stirred up the majority. Paul says, as he continues on from the end of chapter 8, he says, As for your commitment to give... You guys know that it's really not necessary. I really shouldn't have to remind you because you already know. This is on your heart. This is the commitment that you made. And it was your overwhelming response, Paul reminds them, that stirred up the Macedonians. It stirred up a whole different area of believers to give. But now that some time has passed, their commitment and their excitement and their zeal has died down. And while He's saying he shouldn't have to remind them. He does remind them because he needs to remind them. And I saw something in this that reminded me of my own memory. There's something about our memories as we grow older, if you want to use that phrase for yourself, I can certainly see it for me, that I don't remember the things that I want to remember. I tend to forget, you know, dumb things like where I put my keys and where I put my wallet. Now, in my house, there's a place for keys And there's a place for wallets, and I don't always put them there. And I don't remember. Is I leave it in my pocket? I leave it upstairs? And the one that always gets me is, I lost it. I left it at, and I start thinking, where's the last time I used? Was it at the gas station? Did I leave it on the top? And, and you know, it's always some, it's like in my back pocket. Have you guys ever lost your glasses and they were on your head, running around? Where's my glasses? Where are my glasses? Or keys that are in your hand? And... And of course, it happens in the silly things, but it happens in the serious things as well. Life can take its toll on your mind, and the emphasis of things can get you distracted, and you forget what you're supposed to remember. And you know, the opposite is true. I find that the longer I walk with the Lord, the more I contemplate my relationship with the Lord, the more I'm walking with him, the more I begin to remember things that I 
well, that I would rather forget. God uses them in a positive way, but also the enemy in my flesh can use them in a condemning way. As I start to glory in my salvation and I start to rejoice in what God has done in my life, well, I'll start to recall things. And because all of the commercials these days, I don't know if you've noticed them, but most of the commercials these days are using 80s music as taglines. You know why? Because people that listen to 80s music are the ones making the majority of the purchases right now. And I was telling Caitlin the other day, because she asked me on one of the questions, I, uh, one of the commercials that we're playing through that we didn't get to mute, she says, Dad, why did they play that song? Because they played a song behind the commercial, but didn't play the words. But that song came up a thousand times when we were growing up, and I knew exactly what the song said, and I remember the song. And the reason they played the song is because people like me that don't know the words will start singing the words because it was the words they used from the song that was supposed to hook you on the commercial, and for I don't even remember what the commercial was, so it didn't work. Ha, ha, ha. But I do remember the song, and I told Caitlin, I said, well, it's only a matter of time, honey, before they change the music, and they'll start using 90s music, and eventually 2000, you know, and, and they'll start using different music as each generation is growing up. And it's unfortunate, though, because when they do play that music, that can spark memories, too, because it was music that was going on when I was living a life, you know, against the Lord, when I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. And we have to be careful. Because we really do, and I do believe God can restore our memory, and I do believe God can use reminders to make sure that we remember what we need to remember. So I ask you to turn to Second Peter. Look at what Peter says. Peter totally understood this. He understood that if we need to be reminded, then we should be reminded. And it's a good thing to be reminded. And pick up with me in verse 10, because Paul's doing the same thing with the Corinthians. He's reminding them. He says, I shouldn't have to. You guys know already. You guys remember it was your desire to give and to help the struggling churches in Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem that made other people get all fired up and start to give. But now here you are, you're not fulfilling your commitment and it, you need to fulfill your commitment. And so even though it was superfluous uh, to, you know, I really shouldn't have to, I'm going to. And Peter says the same thing. Pick up with me in verse 10 of chapter 1, 2 Peter. It says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that's such a great knowledge, such a great thing to know. It's a scripture to memorize, hold on to it. And so he says, verse 12, Therefore, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know them and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I'm in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus showed me. Moreover, I'll be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. He says, I'm reminding you now. I'm going to continue to remind you. And then he says, I'm going to write it down. So even after I go home to be with the Lord, which I know is soon, I'm going to remind you. I'm going to remind you now that I have a voice. I'm going to remind you as long as I have a voice. And I'm going to make sure that I write it down in such a way that you're reminded even when I don't have an earthly voice. Because being reminded of important things is so important. Now, when you are, when you're studying the Bible, one of the things you're going to start to notice, and it may even discourage you, and that is it seems to be in the scriptures a lot of repetition. It seems to be the same things you're learning. Now, it's a different perspective, and it might be a different author, and it might be from a different uh, angle. But loving and living for Jesus is not very difficult. Now, we as men and religion and such can make things so complicated. But it's not that complicated. 
Now, I'm not saying there aren't things in the Bible that are complicated. Of course, there are. There's heavy-duty stuff. God has put enough in the Bible for the simple-minded, and he's put enough in the Bible for super geniuses to chew on all the way into eternity. But you'll be in Bible study, and you may sit there and say, you know, that sounds familiar. Good. God is reminding you. Or you might be sitting through Bible study, whether here in your church or in your, you don't come to Calvary, you go to another fellowship, you know, in Texas or Florida and different places where our broadcast, the radio broadcast is heard, wherever you are, whatever church home you're a part of, you're sitting there and you say, well, we're studying in Corinthians, but I keep hearing this. And then you come back in Nehemiah, you go, we're studying Nehemiah, a whole different part of history, but I keep hearing this. And then you flip on the radio, and the pastor's there, he's talking about something, you know, way back in Genesis, and you go, but I keep hearing this. If you keep hearing this, whatever this might be, act on it. Because the Holy Spirit is using his word to remind you, to remind you, to remind you, leading you and I to places of action from the applications that the Lord is leading to us. That's where Paul is. And that's why you may hear pastors, no matter who your pastor is or what biblical teacher or what book you're reading, if there's a repetitive thing and, and the Lord is just wanting you, he just keeps bringing it back and bringing it back, bringing it back. Hey, the Lord is speaking to you. You are hearing, you know, sometimes we will hear, you know, how do I hear from the Lord? You listen. You listen carefully and you act on what is clear. You wait on what is unclear, but you act on what is clear. So Paul says, you guys, I shouldn't have to tell you this. You know what your, your excitement to give stirred up other people, but I'm going uh, to tell you anyway. He says, verse 3, yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready, lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your bountiful gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not of a grudging obligation. The church in Corinth was such a giving church that Paul used them as example to stir other people up in their giving. He would personally was so encouraged by their commitment to give and their overwhelming response to the needs that came their way. And so that there wouldn't be any embarrassment, Paul sent some brethren ahead so that they would have the gift ready and make sure it was a willing gift and not a grudging experience. He says, I've been bragging on you. I've been telling of the faithfulness that God has shown through you. And and I don't want it to be empty. He says, I don't want it to be vain. I don't want the people coming to accept the gift or the church in Jerusalem to be discouraged and to make our boasting in vain. Now, when, when I am away, and I know that even in this year I've been away a lot, when I have the opportunity uh, to talk to the pastor that's coming, um, and whether I email him or we have a phone conversation just to pray over the study and prepare them, one thing that I'm really careful to do is to brag on our congregation on the, the wonderful things that are going on here, how, the, how you love the word of God and you love the Lord and so many great things. And I might share some examples of, that I personally know about of what God's doing in lives. And I said, man, they're going to love you. They're going to just gel. And, and, and never am I 
discouraged. The report coming back from the pastors that are here is very similar, maybe even with different perspectives. And then after I'm, after I'm back, after the next couple weeks, he'll, the pastors will forward me emails that some of you have sent them to encourage them or to, to thank them or whatever the Lord was doing. And so you, you let down. There's no, there, there's, no, a sh, there's no shame after there's a visit. Um, there's no email, you know, that church, I can't believe it. What were you talking about? You know, they, they all turned around backwards and never even paid attention to me. And they don't even, it, nothing like that. In addition to the church, I always share, you know, the people that are here, the, the lay leaders and the pastors and the folks that are going to take care of you, they're going to take really good care of you. So don't, don't worry about asking for anything. Don't, just whatever you need, we'll take care of it. We'll take care of it from the moment you get off the plane until the moment you get back on the plane. And, you know, it's the same report. Uh, the people, you know, we have, a, we have a pastor or two that will be the escort. We may have to go get them something at the market or whatever it might be to take care of them. The reports are the same. And as you're looking at your relationship with people and your congregation and your friends, and you feel so encouraged that you start bragging on your friends, you might want to tell them ahead of time, like Paul is. He says, you guys, I've already gone before you, man. I've already, I've already shared what an encouragement you are. Stay that encouragement. Don't slip away from it. Make sure that you guys fulfill your commitment. And he does share that. He does share that in verse 5. I haven't marked. It says that you had previously promised. That's a pretty serious statement, previously promised. And over the last many years, and I guess not so many, I guess the years that I've cared, you know, 20 plus years, the years that I've paid attention, it's unfortunate, but I've seen a slide Uh, in people keeping their promises. It'd be better you not give a promise, especially if you don't intend to keep it, especially if you're a believer. Just don't make a promise. Just go for it. Just do what the Lord put on your heart, but don't make a promise, especially if you're not going to keep it. But in general, you know, the more and more we engage in business and commerce, you know, contracts after contracts, there's so much information in the contract that even if you read it, you don't understand it. And so I don't know how often you guys are downloading software, and there's always a, a question, uh, have you read the terms of service? And probably 99% of you just click yes. Well, I suggest you go ahead and read the terms of service. You're not going to understand it anyway, but at least you can say, yes, I read it. And there's all sorts of stuff in there. You're like, you don't even know what it means. But if you cross the line, you know that it's, you know, you just want to buy little angry birds and play it. That's it. It's all you want to do. You don't want to do anything else with it, but they've got all... It's just so complicated. It's so complicated. Why? Because we live in a society that doesn't keep their word. We live in a society, and some of you understand that, where someone has let you down. That gate, gate, you gate, they gave you your, their word. They could have even signed on the dotted line. They could have even made a commitment before witnesses. And they broke that commitment. And they... they pull back from what was previously promised they are they are doing what like if there's anyone on the earth today that should be keeping their word it's followers of Jesus if there's anyone on the planet today that should represent fidelity and honesty someone where you you can trust them at their word it should be us you should be able to say something. Well, well let, me sh- let me show you. Go back to chapter 1 real quick, because this is the first time Paul mentions this. Look at chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, verse 17. Paul, he uses it as an example of himself when he says, Therefore, 
Remember the accusations were coming that he was wishy-washy and he didn't keep his word and he didn't come when he said he would come even though something happened that made him that he couldn't come. It wasn't that he didn't keep his word, he just couldn't make it. Um, And he says, therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things that I planned, do I plan according to the flesh? That with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no. But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, verse 19, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but listen, in him it was yes. His word was reliable, and so should ours. Turn back now, Matthew chapter 5, because this is where Paul is developing this. It's from Jesus' teaching, where he taught us to be careful when we're making oaths or promises. Notice Matthew chapter 5, pick up with me in verse 33. These all go together. The very premise of our honesty comes from the integrity and honesty of God that we would keep our words. It just has become so easy to say something and not keep it. To say something and not even mean it and not be faithful to our word. That's not the heart of Jesus. Notice Matthew chapter 5 verse 33 says, Again, you have heard that it was said of those of old... You shall not swear falsely, but perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, don't swear at all, neither by heaven, for it's God's throne, nor by earth, for it's his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you can't make one hair white or black. And here's the key. Let your yes be what? Yes. Yes. And your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one because whatever is more than these is deceptive. Truth and trust are the very bedrock of any and every relationship. That's why it hurts so much when you're lied to. If you didn't have a relationship with someone and you didn't trust them in their word, if they lied to you, it wouldn't really mean all that much. But the degree of the relationship you have and the amount of love that you share when you have an agreement of yes, yes, and no, no, and it's broken, that's why it's painful. Because they're the bedrock. Trust is the bedrock of any relationship. Jesus, you know, he's referring to some teachings of the rabbis. They would say the world stands on three things, justice, truth, and peace. But they had taken that so far that they believed you're only telling the truth if you took an oath or swore to keep your word. And they would probably go back to Numbers chapter 30, verse 2, where it says, If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. But Jesus says, You want to live a life of integrity? Don't swear at all. Just be a person of your yes and no. And you know, when you get to the place of begging someone to believe you, you don't have their trust. (laughs) You know, I swear in this, you know, my, you know, I swear on my car and my mama's slippers or whatever. Believe me, please, trust. You get to the point where you're begging and swearing on everything and begging someone to believe you that you're, it's pretty obvious that you can't be trusted or that there's been a break in the connection that you're trying to get back with a bunch of words that you may or may not mean, but you see how far it's not just your yes and yes. It's just not accepted. A believer, a follower of Jesus, he's saying you shouldn't have to take an oath. But if you do make a promise, keep it. I mean, if you do make a promise, and if that did come out of your lips, then keep it. But the better way to live is you don't have to make any promises. Why? Because we just know you're a man and a woman of your word. If you say something, it's done. 
If you say yes, it's yes. You don't pull the, you know, I think of, we were watching, I don't know if it was, no, we had the, um, uh, the little book on my iPad, Caitlin and I, we had the book, um, The Thanksgiving Charlie Brown. And uh, there's, you know, we're going through it, going through it. And there's that, always that section with Charlie Brown and Lucy to kick the football. <laughs> and so we went through it again and it's always funny and it's always sad. And we're like, come on, Charlie Brown. And, and uh, you know, you should know by now. And we've seen this a thousand times. Maybe this is the time you get to kick it. And he always feels that way as well. But Lucy never keeps her word. He should know that by now. But in his trusting, you know, in, his, in the little character of Charlie Brown, he's so trusting, just wanting to believe. And I find that the same pain as he tries to kick and it's pulled down and he jumps up and he falls on his back. It's painful. Painful in some cartoon, but it's really painful in life. Jesus says, be a man or a woman of your word. It's been said, it, and I believe it to be true, and I quote, a man must lead a life which will gain more confidence in him than ever an oath will do. That our life is better than our word because it's evidence that we are men and women of our word. Thanks for joining us today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. It's part of our series in 2 Corinthians. Not long ago, we created a new website just for you, and you'll find it at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Let me highlight some of the features. Look for our quick links, and you'll discover you can now listen to our programs anytime you'd like. We also offer a free podcast, too. You can read Pastor Ed's blog there as well. We've also made it super easy to donate to the ministry, and there's a place to contact us, too. Speaking of which, we'd sure like to hear from you. Let us know what you think of the new website and if you're finding these daily studies helpful to your walk. We'd also very much appreciate your support as we present God's abounding grace here over the radio. Again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer an app that makes listening to Pastor Ed's teachings really easy to do. You can download the free app by searching for Calvary Aurora. Pastor Ed, we learned today God wants us to give cheerfully and not grudgingly out of some sort of obligation. Would you go so far as to say, don't even bother dropping money in the offering box if you're doing it out of obligation or reluctantly? You know, Larry, uh, people will be very surprised by my answer. There's a little bit of yes to my answer and a little bit of no to my answer, because giving is something that's built into us as we abide in Christ, the natural response of Jesus living his life through us is that we're giving. But as Paul told the Corinthians, we're not to give with a grudge or out of obligation. So the first thing that I would share is check your heart if you're giving grudgingly. Check your heart if you feel like it's an obligation or it's some drudgery or some legalistic action. You know, lay that before the Lord and give unto the Lord willfully and cheerfully. And you know what, there have been times that I've said, if you, if you can't get over that part of your life, just don't give. Hold on to it. Spend it on yourself. God has entrusted you with the resources that you have. And, you know, if you can't give to the Lord through your local church, your tithes and offerings, uh, without a grudge or being upset, then keep it and spend it on yourself. Now, sometimes I've been misunderstood because I've even received notes that go, well, Ed, you're telling people to disobey. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm warning you that if you choose to keep it, then you will have the consequences that come with that bad decision. The issue is not to hold on to it and keep the grudge. The issue is solved when you give it away and release the grudge. And so maybe you just need that prayer right now. Can I pray for you? 
Father, I pray for those that are having a hard time giving. Maybe they were taken advantage of. Um, perhaps they're in a tight financial bind right now. Would you remind them of your faithfulness and your goodness in, your life, in their life? Would you remind them that all they have is from you? And would you release within them, by your dwelling presence in them, would you release through them a generous giving spirit and just allow them and encourage them and move them to be givers, not only of their resources, but of their lives, first to you, and then led by you to others in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for sharing that, Pastor Ed. Each month, Pastor Ed picks out a book that he believes can really help you grow in grace and be the person God wants you to be. Our pick of the month is The Third Option by Miles McPherson. I don't have to remind you that we're living in a racially divided nation. You may have heard it said, Sunday morning is the most segregated time in America today. Pastor Miles shares openly what has led to this great divide, both within the church and across the country. He believes instead of choosing one of two sides, there is a third option, one that is proven to bring people together and promotes genuine peace. That's the third option, and we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more. We ask that you call to place an order at 877-30-GRACE. That's toll-free, 877-30-GRACE. We'll return to 2 Corinthians next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 